Good morning. I have to say, I have been very much looking forward to today because I've wanted to say something really important and really serious to all of you. And that thing I really wanted to say that I rarely get an opportunity to see all of you at once and can speak to you all at one time is thank you. Thank you. That's great, I like that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to respond, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it has really been an absolute pleasure and joy to serve you in these last nearly two months. Thank you for your encouragement and your warmth and honestly, your willingness to own uncertainty about what the heck it is I'm actually doing here. <laughs> no, really. People have asked me if I'm an intern, and I'm, I'm not. Um, people have asked me if I'm ordained, and the truth is I am, um, in Metropolitan Community Churches, which is a Christian denomination founded in the 1960s. Um, and actually, it was only in the last week that I remembered that today, October 27th, is actually the one-year anniversary of my ordination. So I was ordained one year ago today. Thank you. People have also asked me whether or not I'm a UU minister. And the answer to that right now is not yet, but we'll see what happens. People have asked me, how on earth am I serving as both worship leader and a community life coordinator? And the answer to that is very carefully <laughs> and intentionally, trusting more and more deeply in my own gifts, communing in ways that matter to me with the Spirit, and getting to know as best I can all of you. And speaking of getting to know you, um, I should let you know now, I, I said this before the very first time and only time, other time I've preached here at First Parish, but I, I think it bears repeating, um, that I'm one of those people who really values the call and response of worship. And <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So if, if you know, sitting in... in contemplative silence is what really speaks to you in worship. I really honor that. If at some point or any point you feel like shouting, I'm, I'm, I honor that. If, all right, see, there you go. If you feel like shouting out an amen or an ashe, that's great. If you need to snap your fingers at something that was really fun, go for it. This is who we all are. Amen. So, there you see? <laughs> so let's honor all of who we are in this space this morning. While the nature of my work as worship leader is pretty straightforward, I come up and I help lead worship with, with Fred and Lily. I enjoy doing that. What I do as community life coordinator is probably a little bit fuzzier, right? Um, what do I actually do in that role? Well, the more I engage the work, 
the more I realized that it could probably be summed up in two phrases. Breaking silences and tending flames. Two intricately different opportunities that operating together can ultimately do the work of building community in this place. Within that framework, I, so far, we'll see how everything continues to unfold, but so far, it's, it, I really function in three primary ways. Supporting the needs of welcoming hospitality and membership ministries, developing systems of communication and support that help people who are newer to the community feel more at home, and helping to keep long-standing community members and leaders connected to really what they love most about First Parish and engaged in fresh and new ways in their and our own growth and development. Now, at this point, I should probably offer up a confession that will probably come as a surprise to most of you. A secret that I have carried around with me for quite a while and that I tend not to share widely, but clearly I'm about to now. Silence and invisibility have been my friends for a long, long time. For nearly 40 years, for the nearly 40 years that I've been alive, I have been very, very careful to keep quiet about parts of myself that I perceived would either scare the pants off of other people or that I know for sure would scare the pants off of me. (laughs) I'm just checking. They're still on. Years. Years and years and years of very little effective communication with family and systems of oppression in play over lifetimes effectively kept me in the closet about way more than what we ordinarily think about. In the beginning of our relationship, I remember sharing with my beloved Lelena, um, who has spent many years, I should say, being real about what makes her who she is. She's actually very, very good at it. Um, she's an excellent communicator. I remember saying to her early on in, in our relationship, I don't, I don't know that I do this really well, honestly. I don't think I do a very good job at it. But, I said, I care enough about and am invested enough in what we're building together that I'm going to keep working at it. And you can feel free later to ask her how I'm doing. Don't ask her now because I don't want to get embarrassed. To remind me of the significance of being real in my own ways about my own stuff, I have relied more than once, honestly, on the words of self-proclaimed black woman warrior poet Audre Lorde. In Sister Outsider, which is a compilation of her essays and speeches, Lorde shared a paper she wrote called The Transformation of Silence into Language and Action. She opens the piece 
with the following. I have come to believe over and over again that what is most important to me must be spoken, made verbal, and shared, even at the risk of having it bruised or misunderstood. I have come to believe that the speaking profits me beyond any other effect. She acknowledged the fear of opening ourselves and others up to that realness, and I quote, because the transformation of silence into language and action is an act of self-revelation. And that always seems fraught with danger. When Lord wrote this paper, she had just found out that she may be dying from breast cancer. Naturally, it changed her perspective on the life she'd lived and on the life she continued to hope for. She had come to grips with the fact that she had carried around her fear of speaking truth whether she had actually spoken or not. She still carried that fear. My silence, she said, had not protected me. Your silence, she proclaimed, will not protect you. Now, I know that I'm not the only one in the room this morning who has kept hidden or spoken in whispers about the things that make me who I am. I also know that I'm not the only one who has been frightened by or threatened by that which is true of other people. It's a hard place to acknowledge and even, honestly, harder to understand. But what it means to truly see and be seen by each other is not only an intense challenge, I would submit it is also the source of our greatest strength as a community. The questions we ask ourselves and each other are questions. And they are no less necessary to grapple with and work through. Some of the questions I've even heard in the very short time that I've been a part of this community are things like these. What would it mean if we talked about how economic injustice has impacted our lives in a place that has such a rich history of affluence and privilege? What would happen if we talked about the ways in which we are differently abled knowing that it will have to impact how we welcome and how we worship? What will people say if I'm honest about the ways in which worship does not often speak to me and my cultural experience. Why, and you know, I think in many ways this is one of the hardest ones to hear. And this is just an example of it. Why would anybody be interested in knowing that I'd love to increase outreach efforts and share First Parish's vision and mission with people who've never been here before? Those things don't have value to anybody but me. 
so they're not worth mentioning. I'll never forget an experience I had uh, with a congregant when I was at Vision of Hope Metropolitan Community Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I served as an intern um, during my time of candidacy and where I ultimately served as their director of worship. She is someone who just loves, loves, loves praise and worship music. And she shared with me one day that she always sings to all of this music. She would sing like to Kirk Franklin and and you know Chris Tomlin and all of these people who sing all this contemporary Christian music. She would sing these songs in the comfort of her living room when her entire family was gone and nobody could hear her. She wouldn't dare do that in worship because she swore that she couldn't hold a tune on her own. She was afraid. She really wanted to do it. And I could tell that she really wanted to, but wouldn't allow herself to dream that it was possible to bear witness to her faith where others might see. I asked her if she would learn a duet with me just to see how it would be to sing in front of someone else in a safe setting. She agreed. So I met with her once a week for nearly six months. And she learned this song, and it was really beautiful and powerful. And the most powerful part wasn't whether or not she got every single note right. (laughs) The best part of this moment for her was that she was actually doing something that she swore she couldn't ever do. It just so happens that soon after she was feeling really good about singing this song, we had a last-minute cancellation at a revival that we had. And I invited her to share this song. And much to my surprise, she actually said yes. She got up in front of a church full of people. It was standing room only. And she sang her heart out. And she forgot a few lyrics, and it didn't even matter. She introduced it by saying that she'd had a long-held passion for sharing her love of God through music, but didn't believe what she could offer was enough. The whole place was in tears (laughs) and on their feet by the time she was done. And her life was changed forever. And the really cool part was so was the life of the entire community around her. See, this is exactly what Stephen Charlson was talking about in our call to worship this morning. Who we are at our core, what matters most to us in our hearts and minds, and where we've come from and hope to go together is what shapes the vibrancy of this community. All of those things operating together. It will be the weaving together of all of those pieces that will transform us, grow us, and carry us forward. Toss your thoughts into the air 
and see how far the wind will take them. Do not doubt your own creativity, for that was given to you as a birthright by the makers of dreams and the painters of all the heavens. Let your imagination go like a kite on a string, far flung into our future to pull all of us laughing into tomorrow. One of my favorite uh, theologians was Henry Nouwen, um, the theologian and psychologist who spent much of his life writing very directly about connections between meaning, belonging, intimacy, service, and social justice. And he said once that community is not a common ideology, but a response to a common call. You see, the notion of being called to ministry or being summoned into this, relation, this activity of being in relationship isn't just meant for those of us who say yes to professional ministry. Everyone in this room is called because we are all here, right? We are all here being invited into relationship with one another. And just like we have a responsibility to listen to and care for the earth we inhabit, we have a similar responsibility to listen to and care for one another because we call this place home. This call beckons us to strive for love because the work is grounded in relationships. This call beckons us to embrace the challenges that come with those relationships because relationships are challenging. <laughs> relationships are challenging. Just needed to say that again because you can ask Lelena about that too. <laughs> but not today. <laughs> This call beckons us to make meaning out of our differences and our uniqueness. And this call beckons us to have faith. Whether that's a faith in one another or a faith in things beyond ourselves. When that call to community breaks down, That's what happens. That's what happens. As Robert S. Gilbert's words remind us, that flame is supposed to be a symbol of our free faith. It's supposed to warm hearts grown cold with indifference. It's supposed to light dark places with justice. It's supposed to rekindle hope in despair.
The hope is that we can keep the flame burning, not just when we're in this place, but also and perhaps especially when we leave this place. And when we don't have room to be our truest, best selves, that's exactly what can happen. We can lose sight of that beacon of light or it can go out altogether. Ending the flame is tough work to do, and it's tough work to stick to, but it matters. It matters so much. It matters that we can give one another and ourselves the room to teach by living and speaking those truths which we believe and know beyond understanding. Because in this way alone, we can not only survive, as Lord suggests, but we can also thrive. We may stumble along the way. We will stumble along the way. We may not fully trust the significance of the gifts we bring to the effort. But those gifts are no less present Our desire to learn and grow in community is no less powerful. And guess what? We are still here. So I'm going to invite everyone here to do a few things as we all break our silences and tend to this flame. There are four of them. You ready? Number one, ask somebody you don't know well what they hope for and hold most dear in this community. And I'll repeat them just in case we need to hear them again. Ask somebody you don't know well what they hope for and hold most dear in this community. Number two, ask yourself what you hope to do and who you hope to become while you're here. Ask yourself what you hope to do and who you hope to become while you're here. Number three, if you're feeling really bold, find me during some coffee hour on any Sunday I'm here or get in touch with me somehow, sometime, and share those hopes and dreams with me. Now, this is not meant as pressure to talk to me if you don't feel like it or you're not ready. No pressure. But when you're ready to share those hopes and dreams, I'll be ready to receive them. And fourth, Beginning next Sunday, with the help of Carol Lewis, our congregational administrator. Actually, you know what? Carol is here today. Carol is here today. 
Carol is a fantastic person. If you don't know Carol, you should say hi to Carol. <laughs> Beginning next Sunday, with Carol's help and guidance, we're going to invite each of you to share your gifts with us by completing a brief survey. Please do it. Please do it. It will help us get to know you better, and know how you may help tend this flame. I have one more thing to share that I don't believe I've said yet. I believe in this place. And I believe in all of you. I believe in our capacity to break down the walls of silence and transform them into language and action that has meaning not just for those of us who are already here, but for those of us who aren't here yet. By sharing the truths about who we are in this place, we invariably also bring to the surface who we haven't been and who we hope to become. The opportunities to say yes are abundant. Let's say yes together. Yes, <laughs> because why? We live in this garden only once and are designed to keep it growing. Let us see who you are. Let us know what you think. Trust that spark. Start a fire. Amen. Ashe and blessed.